two years ago, I began a series and I, I went back this last week and I was looking at some notes because I had a thought. I, I wanted to look at something. And the first time I spoke on this topic was in 2001. So that was what, 18 years ago, uh, approximately 18 years ago. When the Lord began to talk to me, I call them lessons from the rainbow. I was thinking of Noah's ark and I'm thinking about some of the, the impact that that had on humanity. And in a service not long from now, I'm actually putting it together. I'm doing charts right now of how you can go from Adam and Eve, two people, to where we are today. If, if the world had been destroyed by water about 1600 years after Adam and Eve, if the earth was destroyed by water at that particular time, and caused, obviously, uh, a new beginning to take place. But instead of beginning with just a man and a woman, it started with three families, with Noah and his sons, or actually four, uh, Noah and his three sons. And so how they begin to multiply and how uh, things begin to get where they are today and populations begin to hit and grow like they were. And then they get to the Tower of Babel and a whole new uh, division and a whole new thing takes place again. And then how it begins to take place. And, and just literally, I was studying on some of the, uh, just the genetic track of humanity. Uh, you know, the world likes to say it came out of Africa, you know, coming out of Africa. But uh, that, that's basically this, uh, true in location, but they need to go a little bit north of that because it actually came out of around uh, Jerusalem. And so it's actually a little bit higher than that. But still, the concept is about the same. You just have to move the starting point uh, and to know exactly where it is in the Scripture. But uh, that being said, just seeing how it is and how our population is where it is today. Uh, it's, uh, because if you just gave it its number to let it begin to grow and increase to just people uh, beginning to have children, uh, women having children, because of course, uh, in the, in the Christian, in the, in the godly manner, because they were married and begin to have children, if, uh, uh, and they begin to expand and increase and increase. There would be so many billions and billions of people. And I couldn't quite get a handle on that, why our population is not where it is, except after, uh, the first 1600 years, God wiped it out and started it all, all over again. And then you begin to see something happen in the earth that had never happened before where we have eliminators of, of humanity. Uh, disease, sickness begins to run rampant. It, didn't, it wasn't in that day, but it is today. And it begun after the flood. You begin to see diseases and epidemics that begin to take place. You begin to see things that had never been seen before, like droughts and starvation. And then you begin to have things that we had, had not been seen up until that time, wars that begin to eliminate hundreds, and uh, just like the Civil War, uh, 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 over a hundred thousand killed just in the civil, civil war, just in this country, in this fledgling new country at that particular time. And today you have genocide that's going on all over the world and it's been going on since then. So when populations would increase, there are, I could begin to talk to you about several of them right now. For under communism, for the, for the first 70 years under communism in China, you were only allowed to have one child per family. You can have one child. You might could get an exception if you had a girl first. So you could have a boy. But most of the girls, of course, were killed. They just wanted males. I'm preaching real good. 
It was about three years ago when they changed that law. For those of you that want to go do a little, little check on it, if you think communism and socialism is great, go look at that. And uh, you begin to see it in, in the Middle East. There are whole cultures and civilizations that have their 18 to, to 40-year-old male population, especially almost gapped out, gone, because they've been killed in wars. And that's all over the country. It's, all, it's in Africa. It's in the Congo. It's in, so you go to El Salvador. And that, that age group with all of the genocide that was taking place in El Salvador, populations just eliminated. But you know, if we would have not had any of those things, I don't even know if the earth could, would have been able to sustain because there'd be so many people. And so it's not God's plan that we have those things, but God's plan is in spite of those things, His, uh, His kingdom is still advancing. And we're still where we are today. We may not be any better off. We've just kind of shifted. I'm talking about society. We've just kind of shifted some of those things. There's as much genocide uh, today as there ever has been in areas. There's more slavery today on the planet that we know of than in any time in human history. Sex slaves, all type of slavery. In the Middle East, slavery... It's everywhere. Under Islam, slavery is everywhere still today. I'm preaching real good on a Sunday morning in Lamarck, Texas. God started all this out with two people who messed up. God began it with two people and they messed up. But God had a plan of redemption. And every time society would get to a certain place, God would visit the earth again in a powerful manner. Uh, he did that in the flood with Noah. He did that at the Tower of Babel. When you read it in the scripture, and God confused the languages. Therefore, we have all the different languages that we have today uh, on the planet and increasing dialects that are increasing more every day, even right here in the United States. If you think that multilanguage does not create confusion, it's great to be able to speak several languages. I speak some form of English. I speak about 50% Spanish. And then uh, I'm, a, I'm a man and I've still never learned how to speak female yet. I can't figure that part out. But I love languages and I love dialect and I love all of those things. But you, you, let's just take Houston, Texas. We have about 140, I think was the number I saw. I don't think it was 114, I think it was 140. Different languages in the Houston Independent School District, in HISD. Now, in, in, in the great state of Texas, which we love Texas, there's something called ESL, English Second Language. So when you have ESL, that means for every defined dialect or language, you have to, uh, by law, you have to have an ESL trained teacher for that foreign language that's non-English. And then how that's defined is really crazy because that child doesn't even have to speak anything but English, but if that's what's spoken at their home, if a dialect other than English is spoken at their home, then they are supposed to have for that group uh, an ESL teacher. Is this making any sense so far? And so all of those different languages thrown in there together if it's not correctly uh, categorized and used correctly, of course, 
then it would cause enormous financial and enormous uh, uh, social problems, communication problems, and all those things. So therefore, the, the state of Texas just eliminated HISD and came and took it over. The entire second largest school district in America. And it goes back to a confusion of languages, to a confusion of com communication, because in every language is smart, everybody's, but you have to be able to communicate. Can I get two amens right there? So it's very necessary. All that started with just two people. But God is not the author of confusion. The Apostle Paul writes and says, so those things have to, they cannot just be left to morph and, and take care of by themselves or it will create so much animosity in society that you would not be able to have enough jails and enough law and enough everything else if you cannot get a common understanding. How many of you are glad that the word of God is our common understanding in life? The kingdom of God, which you are a citizen of, if Jesus is your Lord. We have all the diversity, and I personally love the flavor of life. I really do. Uh, that's why I've been to a lot of countries and, and done everything I can to uh, still to expand and increase out like that. I just love, I love life. I love living uh, in the day we're living in. What a great day if we understand the opportunities we have. But we have to live according to the kingdom of God and not lose. I'm going to use that term again. Don't lose your spiritual momentum in serving God when you're in the world. We are not supposed to be like the world. We are in the world. The world, do you remember when you used to be like the world and then you said yes to Jesus and all of a sudden you're like, I want to be more like the kingdom of God today. I don't want to hate. I want to love. I don't want to curse. I want to bless. I don't want to just uh, be without hope. I want to expect a miracle. The supernatural intervention of God in the natural course of events. The miraculous. Because with God, nothing is impossible. And so God starts all of that with Adam and Eve. I'm going to fast forward this to you now. And then about 1,600 years later, the Bible says, because there was so much violence in the earth and the heart of men had become wicked, God said, I'm going to start this thing all over again. And he did that. Uh, the scriptures teach it very plainly. As you read in the Bible, for time, I'm going to continue to move forward with this thought. Every 1,500 to 2,000 year period of time, God personally intervenes in the earth. Amen. He began a, an entire new covenant for you and me through Jesus Christ a little less than 2,000 years ago. And you can be sure we're getting close to that time. And that, that hour, that day, when the Lord will again visit the earth in a personal way. The Bible calls it the second coming of the Lord. The rapture of the church, the intervention of God. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know the day nor the hour, I just want to be ready. Because you begin to see those patterns that are very well established in humanity. And they are in... The book of humanity here. 
God's book of humanity called the Bible. It's very real and it's very true. So mankind had gotten into enormous sexual perversion. The scriptures teach it well. They had gotten into enormous violence, hatred, and they had turned from serving the true and living God. It took about 1,600 years from the time, according to the first six chapters of the Bible, for that time to get there where Noah gets called by God to begin to build a boat. Now, what's wild about that, he's, he's being asked by God or told by God to build an ark on dry land and it's never rained that we know of in the Bible up until that time. The Bible says because God had not caused the heavens to give their rain yet. The earth watered itself from underneath. There are massive rivers and streams and all that, that come artesian things that come from underneath. And we have no record and we have a record in the scripture that God was not allowing it to rain yet from the heavens at that particular time. And then God speaks to this man who the Bible says was a righteous man, which meant that he maintained his relationship with God in the midst of a wicked world. And as he did that, he would not involve himself with the perversions that were going on, uh, with life in its fallen manner, but he's trying to live that higher life in Christ uh, according to uh, his understanding of that relationship with God. Adam had come out of the garden. Genesis 4 and 5 uh, speak about it very plainly. Adam had come out of the garden. He and Eve, God began to bless them. They started multiplying. You know the story. And uh, the earth began to multiply. It began to expand and increase. In the first 400 years, 450 years, I'm trying not to move over into this because I'm doing the study and I'm putting it down. But in about 450 years, there were several million people already on the earth just by that natural creation a cycle that we have still today. If they are fruitful and multiply, which is the word that God gave them and told them to do. Hallelujah. So uh, humanity was growing and then it began to get perverse and it got worse. Uh, actually, there could be a lot more uh, because they did not have the wars and they didn't have the diseases and they didn't have those things that were eliminating whole portions of society like you still see going on today. Can you imagine if uh, 175 years ago, 160 years ago, if, if the United States had not had, uh, I don't know, 190,000 men or whatever it was, just wiped out, just killed, all in about an 18 to 24 months uh, period of time. These, most of these would have been people who were in the child producing year. I wonder how large our society would be today, uh, just in the United States, if those families had not gotten wiped out. And you can look at other things like that. How about the hundreds of thousands that have died in World War I and World War II, just in this past century, and in Vietnam, and in Korea, and in other places, just, just the wars alone how it just hurts society. Imagine all the inventions. Imagine all of the medical things that died like that, that, that were gifts that had been given by God, that somehow we could have expanded and been better already. Well, uh, thank God, uh, God has not forsaken us. And we just have to uh, continue to be changed a little more to be in His image by His Word and by His Spirit. Yeah. 
and take advantage of the goodness uh, and the hour and the day that we're living in right now. So God speaks to Noah and he says to him, I'm going to give you 10 points. They're all going to take 10 minutes apiece. I'll do it over a 10 day period of time. Look at verse 13. Look at this real quickly. You'll be out of here in time for lunch today or else supper tonight. Okay, in in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, God said to Noah, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come. It's come before me. I wish I had time to do that. The end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. You see the thing? If I read that in, in Hebrew to you, it would say, the thing that eliminates all of humanity has come before me. Violence. Uh, it has come before me. Uh, so he says, behold, I will destroy them. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. Look at verse 14. Of gopher wood. I love that word. Of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and you shall pitch it from within and without with pitch. If you forget everything else, remember this. The ark is a powerful type of Jesus Christ. It's a type of the safety and the delivering power of God in the midst of difficult times. And he said, build this ark a certain way. I know there are some people who want to give controversy about the ark, whether it really happened or if it was a concept. No, it really happened. Uh, I understand uh, through archaeology and through uh, all type of satellite, they have found something they think is actually the ark uh, around Mount Ararat. Sticking part of it is actually sticking out of the rocks there. It's been there for a long time. Uh, ever since the 60s when they first started doing satellite uh, imagery like that uh, out of the spy planes. And they literally found it. That's in Turkey. That's in the country of Turkey. And Turkey refuses to let anyone go to it. They consider it like a holy site. And they refuse to let anyone go up to it and excavate it. That's a very interesting thought. But be that as it may, he said, make an ark of gopher wood and you'll pitch it within and without. The word pitch is the Greek word K-O-P-H-E-R, kopher. And the word kopher is the only word used for the word atonement. It's, trans, it's interpreted in other places, the word kopher, as the word atonement. The word atonement is the, when the blood was shed and put on the altar of God, when an animal was sacrificed, an atonement was made for the sin of the people. And the scripture says that you will take an atonement. You will take kofer. You will take pitch. It was like a tar of some kind. And he says, you'll put it on the inside of the boat and you'll put it on the outside of the boat. Can I just say that when you get in Christ Jesus, I'm preaching real good right here. When you get in Christ Jesus, the blood of Jesus, come on guys, not just on the outside of your life, but from the inside out, God has paid the price for everything that could cause your boat to be sunk. And as you begin to study all through the scriptures about the ark, you begin to see uh, all of those powerful things that God did. For instance, he said, put one window, put a small window 
up in one area around the top of that ark on that third level. He said, put, put a little window. That's the only window that's in the entire boat with all of the animals and with, with Noah's family in there. If I were of Noah, I'd have put the skunks up there close to that window. I can tell you that right now. But they had a small window, the Bible says, and they could look up. The only way that they could see if the delivering power of God had stopped the flood is if they looked up. That's the only way you could look out into the world, into the curse, is by looking up. I wish I could do this, but I know you're hungry because I've talked about turkey, so I'll let you go. But now listen to this. If you and I are in the world, but not of the world, and we are in Christ, our, our, our life is hid in Christ and God, the only way you need to look into the problem is to look up through the window. He's called the door. He's called the window. His name is Jesus. We do not just look at the things of this world and say, it's so bad, it's so wicked, oh, it's so bad. And let fear or angry or hate get on us. No, you make sure you look into the world through the kingdom of God. Look through Jesus. Filter the light of the world through the window of the kingdom of God. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life in this world and in the world to come, the Bible says. It's important to hear this. Write this down if you would, please. Here are my lessons from, uh, from the word. In, 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 uh, verse nine, in chapter 9, in Genesis chapter 9, God says, okay, the judgment has passed. I'm going to give you a rainbow. I'm going to splash a rainbow in the sky. And that rainbow is a sign that with water, I will never again stop the increase of violence and, and, and sin and perversion that has taken place in all of humanity. I will never do it again with water. The scripture says the next time God does it, it will be with fire. Uh, and, and the very first thing, listen, I think that's important, God said. And the first time you see fire in the Bible is in chapter eight. When Noah comes off of the ark, and he makes an offering to God and he burns it with fire. And the Bible says God consumed that. And God smelled something sweet when that took place. That's so important because the end of the water judgment was done. And now a time where the next judgment like that would come, where the earth would be judged, would be with fire. And that's the first thing that, Adam, uh, that, that, that Noah lit when he came off the ark. And it's the first place we have recorded that there is fire uh, on the earth. I think that's interesting. And in another point, I'll talk about it. So he gets on that particular ark and for 40 days, everyone shout 40 days. 40 days. It rained and flooded for 40 days. He stayed a few extra days after the 40, the Bible says, but the rain had stopped, but the water hadn't receded. But it rained for 40 days. And the Bible says, and the door was shut. God brought uh, Noah and his family inside and the door of the ark was shut and it was sealed with pitch and it was done. And I, I can only see what society, I can only fantasize and try to imagine what took place when that happened. When the sky began to fall and water began to come out of the clouds, instead of just dew in the morning, all of a sudden it starts raining. The Bible says God opened up the heavens 
and he opened up the fountains of the deep and began to flood the earth from top and bottom. And it filled up so much that it took this huge, massive boat that until about a hundred or so years ago, there had never been a boat built on planet earth as big as that one. And about a hundred years ago, they began to make types of warships that became, and one reached the, the, the dimensions of the one that are in the scripture. And so they begin to build that. At that particular time, Noah, when he went on that boat, y'all going to love this. He was 600 years old, the Bible says. That first wave of patriarchs in the first 1600 years, there were several of them who were patriarchs, the Bible called them, the head of families and head of whole cultures that lived to be extensive ages, long ages. And the Bible gives their genealogy and tells that. And so Noah would have been 600 years old, and the scripture says that in verbatim. He's on the ark. After 40 days, God brings back the dove. It's got a, uh, an, uh, an olive branch there, meaning that, that plants and things were beginning to grow again. And then he never came back. So come on, somebody shout, I'm blessed. blessed. Now here's the point. Here I'm. Number one, write it down. What do we learn from the fact that God loves us and he has a plan of salvation and redemption? So we prosper in life, but we are saved from the destruction that one day will come. And maybe in our lifetime, maybe not in our lifetime, but you can be sure it will happen. Number one, I hope you're taking notes, write it down. Here they come real quick. Number one, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah started building the ark. It had never rained. Everybody shout plan ahead. How many of you are glad that with long life, God will satisfy you and show you his salvation, huh? So let's just assume you're going to live into your 90s or your hundreds in here. Uh, the generation that, that is um, uh, my son-in-law's uh, age and, and your children, and your grandchildren, just with science and technology, uh, in your lifetime before you go to heaven, it will, it will be said the average will be close to 90 years old. What a blessing that we live in the day we live in. Especially if you make that decision, you're going to serve God. So if the average is going to be around 90, if that's just the average, you got to do this to get a lot of that average. So some of you, listen, if you'd have known you're going to live that long, you'd have took better care of yourself, wouldn't you, huh? And then you got saved. And then the blessings of the Lord begin to get in your life. Come on, shout plan ahead. Number two, here it is. Stay fit. I'm not talking about some crazy body, beautiful uh, uh, extremity of some kind. No, but take care of your temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You live in a day where you can exercise. You live in a day where you can choose your diet. You can choose one of a hundred different diets today that are actually good for you. And there's probably uh, thousands that are not necessarily good for you. And sometimes you can have like a lot of good stuff and then start throwing the wrong stuff inside of it. I'm not messing with anybody. I'm just talking for a minute. So take care of yourself. If you're diabetic, stop eating sugar. Jesus and all the angels are not going to stop you if you're not willing to do your part. So just leave it alone. You say, oh, I just have to have it. No, you don't. You just think you do. Change your mind. You'll change your life. 
Uh, once again, uh, use wisdom in those areas. Remember, stay fit. Noah was 600. You're not going to live that long, but uh, hallelujah. Max out your 100 years by faith. Come on, shout amen. amen. Here's the third thing, Noah. Listen to this. Don't listen to your critics. Can you imagine what they were saying to Noah? Don't do this. Don't do that. How many of you are glad Bill Gates never listened to his critics? How many of you are glad Stephen Jobs didn't listen to the critics? How many of you are glad Thomas Edison didn't listen to the critics? How many of you are glad Albert Einstein didn't listen to the critics? Everyone has critics. When you make a decision that you're going to live for God, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like it. That's all right. Learn to obey the word of God based on the call of God that's in your life. I'm sure they had plenty of reasons to criticize. It had never rained. What do you mean building an ark? What do you mean there's going to be animals come into it? Uh, what do you mean it's going to flood? I can just hear all of those things. What do you mean I should repent? Uh, Noah was a man of righteousness. What do you mean I should repent? I can do my own thing. I, uh, look at you. You're 600 years old, old man. That's 600 years of wisdom right there. God's never trying to take away fun from you. He's always trying to keep you alive until the blessing takes over. Come on. So the critics are going to show up. But just remember this right here. And Oral Roberts told me this. Dr. Oral Roberts told me this. He said, Pastor, don't worry about your critics. They don't build statues to critics. It was one of the greatest statements I've ever heard. Who cares about the critics? Their names go into anonymity. But the body of Christ, come on, we're not those who criticize. We're those who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in the face of the world. And then we declare it and we put our hand to it and we're learning and growing a little more every day on how to be like that. I like to say it like this, the dog barks, but the train rolls on. Number four, write it down. I got, I got four minutes. So here we go. God told him to bring two male and female, bring, bring two of the species on, except the clean animals, the sacrificial animals. Uh, I mean, his food supply, I'm sorry. The food supply. He told him to bring seven of those. But he said, bring two of any kind, especially uh, humanity. Bring them in two by two. Here's my, here's my word for it. Two, are be- two heads are better than one. The Bible says that two are better than one. If one falls, the other's there to help pick them up. It's very important that we, that we see that. One of, the, uh, one of the things about having counsel in your life and having something other than just your own independent self trying to do everything in your life, uh, you learn soon that there are many people God will put into your life to help fulfill and help give you understanding in areas where you are not necessarily well equipped. I have an old philosophy I've used for years where I lean to my strength and I hire our weaknesses. It's a, it's a business concept, but you understand what I'm saying because no one person can do everything. It requires a church, a New Testament church, understanding that every person has something that they can add to uh, what God has called us to do as a church. That's why we put our hand to something or else we would do nothing. It's very important. Uh, I like what he said. Here's another thought. Uh, he told them, uh, come in two at a time like that. I like the idea, the concept of traveling in pairs. 
You stay strong that way. Get another brother or sister full of faith. One can put a thousand to flight. Come on. Two will put 10,000 when God is your God. Uh, everybody shout, two are better than one. Come on. Here's the fifth thing right here. Noah was a prophetic voice in that day. Keep a prophetic voice in your life. That's one reason you need a Holy Ghost church. Keep that voice speaking into your life. Otherwise, you have a historic voice in your life about yesterday. But when God is working in that relationship of your life, you also have an awareness of today and tomorrow. And also, can I just say, when you have a prophetic voice that, that wakes up your spirit and your, your understanding, that whole thought process on the inside of you, it keeps you from just becoming a dull rubber stamp of yesterday. Because God has something for you today and tomorrow, but he never does anything that he doesn't first speak it through the prophetic, the Bible says. So the word of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost is where that prophetic comes. Keep that voice in your life. Number six, I got to go real quick now. I've got two minutes left. Here it is, minute and a half. Number six, speed isn't always an advantage. Listen, the turtles were on the ark just like the cheetahs were. You serve God with what you have. You do your part. Y'all okay today? Don't rush ahead of God. Uh, Abraham rushed ahead. You remember, you remember Moses? He rushed ahead and he killed an Egyptian, cost him 40 years. Let that timing of God be there. Uh, you don't have to be in a hurry about everything. Come on, look at somebody and say, what's the big hurry? Number seven, here it is. I love this one. Sometime when you feel all stressed out, Come on, we got some learning to do. You just have to kind of float a while. He floated for 40 days. And then when the rain stopped, he floated for another almost 40 days. Until finally the waters receded and he opened it out. Sometimes you just have to pray. You just have to worship. You just have to trust God. I don't mind telling you that I have faced many things so far in my life that I literally did not know What's going to happen next? I didn't know for sure the will of God. So my pattern is when I don't know what to do next, I just keep doing what I've been doing since the last time I heard God tell me to do something. And then it just seems like God opens it up. Don't get addicted to the thrill of something new and different. Obey God. Just stay with it. Just sometimes you just float a while. Because there's going to come a time when God says, all right, open the door and now look. Here's that purpose. Here's that plan. Here's that blessing that belongs to you. Number eight. Number eight. Can you just remember this? Maybe you're going through some anxiety today, but the woodpeckers on the inside of that ark were a bigger threat than the water that was on the outside. Sometimes you can have these little things on the inside that are just eating away at you, just pecking away at your sleep, at your nervous system, at your heart, at your emotions. Look, put those things at the foot of the cross. Give them to Jesus. 
go before God and say, Lord, I cannot handle this externally. Therefore, I know I'm not supposed to be trying to handle it internally. But I'm attracted to it and it's attracted to me. And it's an issue for me. So Jesus, I'd give this to you today. You said I could take your yoke upon me. I don't want to be yoked up to the, to the pain of what someone else may have done or I perceive they did. I don't want to be yoked up with the hate, the hurt, the anxiety, the regret, the guilt. Jesus, I'm just going to put this there. Let your blood pitch me. Seal me. Protect me from the inside. Number nine. It doesn't make any difference how bad your storm is. If you stay inside of the boat, there's going to be a rainbow at the end of it. That rainbow is a covenant that God is going to do something bigger and better than ever before in your life. And it may be a combination of factors that have happened, just like it was for Noah. But there it is. You went through that. Look at what you learned. You went through it and you decided to stay in Christ. You weren't going to reject it, deny it, or try to get rid of your purpose, your place, your calling. You didn't stop coming to church. You didn't stop giving. You didn't stop praying. You didn't stop singing. You made a decision that you were going to stay faithful in that time. I've got good news for you. Some of you are having rainbow experiences right now. Look, I know the world tried to steal the purpose of the rainbow. And I don't want to get off into that. But that, that, that's a... That's almost a blasphemy to God. The rainbow was God's personal sign that immorality, unholiness, unrighteousness, ungodliness had been dealt with. That the judgment was passed. Number 10. Here's the last one. Don't miss the boat. Jesus is the ark. Don't miss the boat. This is 